Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Slightly different format this week in that we're just going to speak to one photographer and we're not going to ask them the question about what photography means to them. But what we are going to do is we're going to have a conversation with that photographer about the realities of working within conflict zones as a photographer. So I think that's going to be interesting. And I think it's also going to raise a number of issues that some of us may already be asking ourselves about the role and the relationship of the photographer, of the photojournalist, the visual documentarian, whatever label or tag you want to give to these people who are risking their lives at the moment to bring us the images and the news and the stories that are going on. So this week, we're going to talk to Tom Pilston, who, full disclosure here, is a colleague of mine. Uh, I have him teaching on the photographic course that I lead at Oxford Brooks University in the UK. And Tom and I often have chats about photography in, in a very kind of broad, general sense. And the other day, we were on the phone having a chat, and I instantly thought, we need to record this. We need to actually bring our conversation to the podcast. So, who is Tom Pilston? Well, he began working in the music and fashion industry before moving to photojournalism in the late 1980s. As a staff photographer on the then newly launched independent newspaper, Tom worked across its titles, specialising in photo essays from the UK and abroad, travelling to Bosnia, Burma, Sudan and Kosovo, among many others. In 2007, he decided to go freelance, covering Barack Obama's first election and the war in Syria on a number of assignments. Throughout his career, Tom has worked for and with numerous charities and non-profit organisations, highlighting the work they do around the world. His clients include Sunday Times Magazine, The Guardian, The Financial Times, The Times, The Telegraph, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Newsweek and La Pointe Magazine. He regularly works with Save the Children, UNICEF and Christian Aid. Tom has won World Press Photo Awards, a Nikon Award, an Amnesty International Award and numerous others. Last week, he was documenting the Ukrainian refugee crisis on the Polish border. And that's where we start our conversation. So, Tom, thanks very much for uh, joining us this week on the A Photographic Life podcast. Very different format this week, um, primarily on the back of a conversation that you and I had a few days ago, uh, talking about your time, very brief time, but I think very important time on the uh, Poland on the edge of the uh, Ukraine frontier there on the border where the refugee crisis is obviously um, currently taking place. And uh, we talked about a lot of different things that I hope we can cover in this chat. But one of the things that really um, I found was interesting was how did you find yourself there? I went on this story about um, a group of medics taking um, ambulances and um, donated medical equipment um, to Ukraine by, by Poland. Um, and when we arrived at the, uh, the border, um, the train, you know, we visited the train station where um, thousands of refugees were coming through each day. You were met by this very moving sight, actually, uh, including um, a family who I 
honed in on, if you like. I, I noticed them. Um, photographers do this all the time, you know, so where you homing in on one story kind of tells the story of um, everybody else, if you like. And I saw this boy who was standing there uh, surrounded by his family um, looking pretty lost. And there he was holding a sock. And in that sock was his pet rat. And I just thought three weeks ago, this boy was leading a relatively normal life with his family around him, um, including his father. And, uh, and suddenly here he is. He's lost nearly everything. He's lost his father. Um, hopefully, um, you know, he'll meet his father again. His father obviously had to stay behind to, to fight. Um, uh, he's lost his home. He's lost his childhood as it, as it was, but, you know, clinging on to his, his pet rat. Um, and in, it's interesting that you know, there's, there's, it's been quite a feature of this refugee crisis. Um, people sort of bringing their pets. Anyway, I, I, I photographed him uh, and, and then made some more photographs of his family. And it was really interesting. The second photograph I made was of uh, his brother. His brother was 13. He could tell that he felt he was sort of trying to fill the position that his father left. And you could tell the strain on his face. Um, and you, I've seen this quite often. You'll see a child who's been through such stress that their face is the face of a child, but it's aged. Um, and so I made a couple of photographs of him, which hopefully get that across. When you were telling me that story, it's very funny, actually, that's funny, how can you use the word funny? But yeah. it, it instantly reminded me of, of a novel that I'd read as a child called When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit Yeah, yeah. by Judith Kerr. Yeah, yeah. There's some um, there, definitely. Yeah, and I, I, the moment you told me that story about the rat, it instantly hit there with me. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's so, so relevant. I think there's so many echoes of the Second World War in what's happening with the Ukraine. But yeah. it also made me feel, and, and, and that's where our conversation started to lead, um, mm. it's about this sense of the need for humanity in the storytelling that's, um, yeah. that you're part of. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, even if no matter who you're photographing, you know, be it um, refugees, victims of conflict or disaster, or whatever, even um, you know, combatants. I mean, they, they, you know, they're they a lot of them will you know be suffering uh, in, in a similar kind of way. Um, I mean, you know, I think there's, there's a fair amount of conscripts in the Russian army, you know, that, that the last thing they want to be doing is, is, is fighting in Ukraine. But, um, and of course we saw lots of, um, interesting images of, uh, everyday people being called up to fight, um, from the Ukrainian uh, side. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of humanity there too. Um, but the, you know, one of the obviously most unjust size of it is is the civilians you know and and the children as well um i mean nobody 
asks to be torn away from their country and their home um, and, uh, and their life. No, but I um, think that, that you know, going into those situations, and I know you would, you were only there for a, for a very short time. And and when you and I were speaking, mm. um, you know, you were very aware of the fact that you had sort of kind of catapulted in and out. Not that that's mm. to make any kind of comment on that no, no. situation, but as we know, there are photographers embedded within the cities and so forth. Actually, mm. and we we spoke about that term, which neither of us felt comfortable with, which was war photographer. Um, I, I did feel when you asked me to, to talk to you, slightly unqualified to talk about Ukraine, um, having not been there for a long period of time. But uh, there are quite a few uh, friends who are working there now who have been working there for uh, for weeks. And none of them, I don't think, would consider themselves as a war photographer. They are photojournalists, really. Now, you know, a photojournalist is driven by a mixture of journalistic integrity. I think that's a big part of it. Um, bravery and resolve. I mean, that is it's true. They would probably um, you know, laugh at that. Competitiveness. I think that's uh, involved. But overall, I think there's a, there's a real burning desire within photojournalists I know and myself you know, just journalistic integrity. I said that earlier, and I think you, you know it's deep within you um, to tell stories. But it's uh, interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I saw a quote the other day um, by the French photographer Patrick Chavel, who said. Uh, when the photograph is too beautiful, you lose credibility as a witness. And and it again, that struck me and it made me think, well, that's what what a challenge that is for a photographer who's trying to convey stories and, and messages, really important messages, and, and but at the same time trying to bring elements together of composition and light and and shade and juxtapositions <clears throat> of textures and so forth. <clears throat> What a challenge to, to, to find that balance. It is a challenge, actually. You're right. And you, you, um, I think the overarching thing that you have to get across is empathy uh, and humanity. And sometimes there is beauty, if you like, in, in the most tragic circumstances. But... I, I've often felt you can, uh, and this is especially poignant in in the in the age of digital photography, where it is very easy to over um, overwork pictures in post production, um, and I feel there was a definite move towards making images almost look like a film still. And to be honest, you know, real life doesn't need to look like that. I think it's really important to keep an integrity and an honesty in photojournalism. I think it's really interesting. I don't know if you're following him, but there's uh, an American photographer called Marcus Yam. And what he's been doing each day is on social media, um, posting four images and then a series of words which read almost like a, a haiku. Right. Um, as kind of captioning for that. And, I, and I, I, that seems to have an incredible kind of uh, intensity to it and actually taking that idea now of social media and images, because obviously now we're starting to see the, the photojournalists, the photographers there in real time, 
you know, being interviewed on television, for example, about what they're doing or Marcus Yam's work going directly onto Twitter. So that role is really changing, isn't it, for the film? Yeah. I think, I mean, the older I get, the more I feel like writing about the images I'm making. I have to say that. Um, I mean, there is, I think there is an interest and there's probably more of an awareness of photojournalists and, um, you know, photographers that photograph conflict and war. You know, let's be honest, you know, it's a war. And I think it's it's quite good to question why people do it, what the, the benefits are of it and what the pitfalls are of it. I mean, I, I have to say, I think that photography of this kind of thing is vital. The job that photojournalists do um, in conflict and war, it shouldn't be underestimated. And I think, you know, they should have a voice. It's, it's interesting, the other day, I, there was um, the Today programme on Radio 4, Amal Rajan um, did what um, all photographers would have really applauded for. He, um, he raised the point that bylines for photographers who risk a lot, create a you know, huge impact in newspapers, they get minute bylines uh, and are very rarely given much credit for what they do. Their voice, other than via their pictures, are being heard a little bit more. And I, and I, I think that's a good thing. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I I look back and I know that you were in Bosnia and, you know, there were very few outlets at that time for your work or for images. And I can remember um, working with John Levy at Photo 8 um, back yeah. at the time of, you know, Iraq and also Chechnya. And there, <laughs> there were no outlets at that point for the work. So there are vast archives of work that have never been seen and will never be seen. But that doesn't seem to be the case with coming out of um, Ukraine. No, that's true, and I and I think well, we I think we've just found something to applaud social media for. I see a lot of photographers posting pictures on Instagram and and writing quite a lot about what was you know what was happening at the time that they were taking the pictures, um, which I think I suppose um, is a good thing in that it, it helps understanding of what they were doing. Do you think it helps people to understand the power of photography? Because it's photography has been written off so often as, as being of the past and irrelevant. And yet, you know, this really is now becoming evidence of uh, war crimes um, and evidence of a reality which cannot be denied. It, it can't constantly be. Uh, and I think this is a, a really interesting area, this you know, you were talking briefly there about post-production and, you know, should these images coming out of Ukraine have filters put on them or any form of post-production? Um, is that going to weaken them as this form of evidence of the power of the still photograph? Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Especially regarding sort of Russian element of this and the control of media in Russia and, and so forth. I think once you sow the seed of doubt by over-post-producing, then it does sort of lay things open to be questioned. Again, I, I think it, it always seems to come down to the element of balance, doesn't it? At what point is it kind of taking somebody's life and using it to win photographic competitions and yeah. create careers? And at what point is it a humanitarian act of actually saying, listen, I'm going to share your story with the world so yeah. that the world understands what you're going through? Two really interesting points there. First, the second point about... Um, that um, you know, humanitarian act of sharing somebody's suffering. Um, some somebody asked me once, "Well, how can you go up to that person in 
in obvious dis- distress and and you know take a photograph of them and you do have to sort of remember that the act of taking the photograph and it's often you know a sort of unsaid communication between the photographer and the subject that actually yes that's what you're doing you know you are recording what is happening to them and shouldn't be happening to them and communicating that uh, with the wider world it's 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 a difficult one because by making an iconic image in a way that's part of your job uh, and it will do the job that you're trying to do i think some photographers have a really good attitude towards it and others have a less good attitude conflict and war and tragedy is is just one part of um, human life yeah it's a i think it's a very i mean it's a sensitive issue and even this conversation i mean we're, we're stepping into so many sensitive areas really of discussion and i think that's the really kind of challenging area for photography at this point i mean everybody that photographs bad things is going to be it should be affect be affected by it um but i think you you have to be you have to keep hold of the reason you're doing it and your own sensitivity no sensitivity is not the right word your own humanity i suppose i maybe i sound like i'm you know, pontificating here but i you know i've i've seen photographers keep hold of themselves and the way that the reason they're doing it and and others maybe not so and you have to you ha- you do have to remain functioning human being when you get back home as well which i think is a, a real challenge having known quite a few photographers that come out of that yeah it is hard and not to, not to be underestimated i mean you know, when you work as a photojournalist whatever story you're on is the most important story in the world and you can't imagine why your picture isn't on the front page um because something else has happened and uh and, you know yours is gone in, yours picture's gone inside and you, you're furious about it but you you know you have to remember that there's a bigger world out there which raises the point i suppose um around the responsibility and the role of the, let's say, professional photographer, the person for whom photography is their living, um, going into these situations. What do you think that the professional photographer, if we use that phrase, brings that the citizen photographer now with the smartphones and and the access that everybody has, what can the, the professional photographer bring to that environment, do you think? Well, there's a place for both the citizen journalist, if you for want of a better phrase, mm. sometimes gives an you know incredible immediacy um, and personal view on something. The the experienced professional knows how to tell a story uh, and knows how to get across the narrative, I suppose, of of what's going on. Um, yeah, professional communicators. Um, and they can see patterns. They can see how history repeats itself. I'm, I'm more of an edit of, of the of the situation. Yeah, going back to one of my key things, they they know how to get across empathy, and you know they they care, so they communicate that empathy they feel for their subject to the wider world. That's something you learn over a long time, mm. and I think it's really important. I think that's a very good um, place to end it, Tom. So thank you very much for your time uh, to discuss this. I mean, I think it's one of those kinds of discussion um, discussions that could go on forever, actually. 
because it, it's so nuanced. There are no answers to this, are there? I think it's just important to keep questioning um, what happens, what the role of the photographer is. And um, so often images that come out of these environments of war or conflict um, can be incredibly powerful, but can also be incredibly uh, diversive. <laughs> Yeah, in the in the way in which it places the role of the photographer. All I'll say to finish is that they are crucial, um, and it's a, a very admirable thing to do. Long live photographers! <laughs> That's definitely the best place to uh, end it. Yeah. Thanks very much, Tom. All right, all the best. Thank you to Tom Pilston there for sparing the time for that chat. I hope you found it useful, informative, and perhaps even raised a few questions for yourself about photojournalism and the images that are coming out of the Ukraine. In these difficult times, two words seem as relevant this week as they do every week. So please, just take care.